feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. I've had a number of people that I've had the privilege of working very closely with over the last seven years in my time in uh, SaaS sales. And I finally am able to get one of my good friends, Butch Langlois from Toronto, Canada. He is the founding member of the Revenue Collective in Toronto. He also is the general manager and president of Vend. We're going to speak to Butch and ask him a ton of questions. I've been working with him for a number of years. Super smart guy when it comes to building out sales organizations and SaaS sales. It's all coming up next on the Conquer Local Podcast. It's the latest edition of the Conquer Local Podcast. Butch Langlois joining us from Toronto. I've uh, wanted to get you on the podcast for quite some time. Butch and I met about four years ago and uh, we've maintained contact and uh, right now, Butch, you've been spending the last couple of years at the head of uh, North American operations for a company called Vend. Can you tell us a little bit about Vend? Yeah, so Vend is, uh, it's actually a company I met about seven years ago based out of New Zealand in the cloud retail point of sale space. So very early days for them. They were very early to market um, and grew to, you know, a pretty good size uh, had a bit of a global footprint. And then a couple of years ago, they reached out to me to build their North American business. I think the, one of the most interesting things about uh, the space is that, so here I am, you know, president of Vend in North America, and the two, our two major competitors are Shopify and Lightspeed. So a company based out of Toronto and a company based out of Montreal. So I feel like it's, it's a win-win-win anyways, you know, no matter what happens. Well, it's, uh, you know, you, you've been involved in massive sales organizations for quite some time. When I met you, you were just coming out of, um, your work that you had done for the Rogers uh, company and building out that team that was, that was outrank. And, you know, you're kind of, uh, one of the smartest guys when it comes to building out sales teams. Can we talk a little bit about how, you know, you, this space has, has changed over the last few years as, as we look at SaaS sales? Sure. I mean, you know, people think of me as a bit of a sales guy. I'm actually a CPA, so I'm an accountant by trade. And <laughs> I had three startups of my own where I had uh, VPs of sales who I probably treated badly um, and didn't give them as much support as they actually required. Um, and so what happened was when I went to Rogers, um, I was building out as part of my venture work, a, 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 a the, the thesis was to disrupt some, you know, someone because Rogers was being disrupted in media, they were being disrupted in wireless cable. So I said, hey, let's go disrupt, you know, uh, Yellow Pages. Let's go local. Let's do that. And the first thing that uh, the company said to me was, hey, well, we've got a radio sales force out there. Why don't we just leverage that? And it's always a challenge to recondition people in the way they're thinking. Uh, companies are getting much better at it now. But back then, it was really hard to take, um, you know, an organization that was selling a product at a different price point or, uh, you know, in a different manner and have them sell something digital and typically SaaS much cheaper. So when you look at commission structures and everything. So basically we had to, we had to start from scratch 
And we really built this very, uh, this model that was very uh, metrics driven. We did a lot of work around scripting um, and all, all the metrics around, you know, uh, meeting customers, cold calling, demo, demo conversions, all the way to, to actual sales. And to launch the business, we, we defined all those, uh, that, that bit of work before we actually launched. We took 60 days to come up with all that. We did a ton of testing um, to, you know, understand what converted, what didn't. And once we had that, we then just rolled it out and hired reps every month and built them. And we grew from zero to 160 reps in 24 months and built a $25 million business in that time. And it was really, what it really taught me was it's really the, it's almost the preliminary work that's as important as when you're executing day to day. It's really setting up the, you know, the right structure, the right dynamic, the right uh, value prop that you can then just, you know, rule out. I, I often think of it as more like product management for sales. You, know, you look at it in the same sort of way when you're, when you're getting ready to launch something. And, well, I remember when we um, commissioned you to come in and help us work with our inside sales organization in the early days, I, I learned from you right out of the gate that, uh, you know, building the script is a really important piece to it. I, I think the way it went down, if I remember it correctly, it was like, okay, who's going to write the script? And I'm like, well, I don't know. We really don't have any. He's like, no, no, you're going to write the script. Um, and you're going to, because, you know, you know how to deal with the customers and then you're going to pitch it, uh, you know, a whole bunch of times and you're going to close business with it and then you're going to move it into the teams. But that that scripting piece, I I found it really gets people's backs up when you say, okay, we're going to use a script because I think what they believe is that they're not able to be a personality, but that's not the the point at all in coming up with the scripting, is it? No, absolutely not. It's really about um, you know a structure to how you present your product, um, and then you know hitting the high points, hitting the low points. It's about preparing the person for questions they're going to be asked during a pitch. So, it, you know, it's just really giving, uh, you know, the salesperson every sort of piece of information to be able to have a smooth call. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I remember, George, when we, when we got together, I always tell this story about the first 60 days we were actually rolling things out in Rogers. And one of the, I, I actually recruited a couple of people from New York to lead the, the sales org. And when they started calling people, we were trying to decide if we should use Rogers in the branding, mm -hmm. if we should say we're from Rogers or not from Rogers. And I remember like for the first, like you got when you're testing, it's not you go make five calls. I mean, you've got to talk to a wide breadth of customers to really understand what their objections are, where the, you know, the points where you're really connecting are. And in the first, you know, 50 calls, I think when they were testing, you know, they, they got a bunch and everyone hated Rogers and they said, oh my God, <laughs> we can't, we can't have Rogers. It's like, dudes, I have sold this because you told me Rogers, the brand was going to help us. Anyway, the reality was by the time they got to 250, 300 test calls, then they realized that not having to evangelize someone on the actual brand that, you know, small business actually had some faith because it was coming from Rogers was a bigger, uh, was a bigger help than a hindrance. Mm -hmm. But their, initi their initial thoughts was, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. People hate Rogers, which they, you know. I'm not, I'm not debating whether they do or not, but it did help a little bit with uh, evangelizing the product. 
So the other big takeaway that, you know, and you and I've had some long conversations about this is the testing and the metrics portion of it. And you um, are the founding chairman of the Toronto Revenue Collective. And can we talk a little bit about what the Revenue Collective is all about? Yeah, so the Revenue Collective was started by uh, Sam Jacobs in New York City. And his thesis was, hey, you know, in uh, out in market, you have uh, a bunch of groups supporting founders and investors, right? So founders, you know, you, you've got tech stars, you have all of these groups where uh, these people are taken care of. And then uh, you have all the revenue leaders, you know, around uh, around the globe who are working in these companies and, you know, typically, even if you're in an early stage start, uh, startup, you're a common shareholder, you're going to be diluted, you're easily blamed. And uh, at the end of the day, the most accountable part of the business is revenue. So typically uh, easily fired. And so Sam has been, you know, doing, you know, CRO jobs with a number of companies across the U.S. And, you know, when he was looking at it, he said, you know, a revenue leader, a senior revenue leader in North America now has a tenure of 19 months. It's pretty amazing that uh, and 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 then when I when I started thinking about it, it made total sense. You know, if you're if you're the you know the GM of a you know a hockey team, an NHL team, and the numbers aren't you know getting where they have to get to, what do you do? You fire the coach. Right. It's sort of the same thing. The CEO fires the VP of sales, the CRO, and in a lot of cases. Uh, once, yes, it's because the, you know, there's a number there that's countable, but in a lot of cases, that person doesn't necessarily have, uh, control over a lot of things. Number one, typically budgets are, you know, put together without really a, a ton of input. They're just like, Hey, we need this number, go out and get it, but you can't have any other employees. You know, right. <laughs> um, uh, there's a lot of times when the product's not ready. You know, it's supposed to work like this, but it's not. And so there, there are all these things that impact a revenue leader's life. The, oh, the other one that's always good is, you know, you build the company from 1 million to 5 million, and all of a sudden you're not good enough to go to 10. So you're replaced. And these are all things that um, the Revenue Collective was put together to do three things, really. It's like three parts of the stool. So the first one is to make sure everyone who's in the collective is sharing so that we all get better at these jobs. So if it comes to someone wanting to talk about how you put a proper script together, you know, they can reach out to me. We have tons of people in the, in the collective who know how to do outbound sales. We can work together to share, you know, best practices so you can do that. The other is you need to be able to, while you're, you know, working in that company, be able to manage your career. When I'm saying manage your career, it means how do you make sure that when, uh, you're setting budgets and forecasting that you're not digging a hole for yourself. So how do you do that? How do you work with the CFO? What are the strategies you do to do that? And then the other is how to manage your career in terms of uh, making the right career choices, making sure that you're protected so that if you're building a ton of value in a company um, that you don't just leave and not, you know, like typically you build a company, you add a ton of value and then you got to buy your options. That doesn't make a ton of sense. So how to be able to negotiate better for yourself. I'll tell you the other thing, George, I, I, I had a, a sales leader working for me. He was the most, uh, you know, 
this guy in some ways was rigid and the way he managed people, it was like, I mean, it was amazing. I've never seen someone work harder um, and uh, manage people so closely to have them deliver. And that I know when he actually negotiates his deal going into a company, he's like a, he's like a waffle. He waffles over. It's terrible. <laughs> so you, you need to know like severance. You need to know the standards that you should be getting because at the end of the day, and, you know, I've been CEO of a number of my startups. It's all about revenue. And you, as that person, are the revenue leader. You have to realize you have a ton of value. Um, you still have to deliver. So what I, what I love about the collective is it helps position you that when you're delivering, you're getting what you actually deserve. And two, it also helps, uh, helps us collectively help each other be successful. Well, and it's, it's interesting because when you go to negotiate, um, you know, you've got pay scale and you've got indeed, and you got, you know, all these tools that, that HR has, uh, to be able to, to set, you know, what, the, what the pay should be, but it's good to have that community where you could say, well, here's what other CROs are making or VPs of sales are making. I I've found that inside the collective, one of the, the best pieces is the sharing of information. Yeah. So if you're in the middle of budgeting or you're getting ready to do a board meeting and you've got to deliver on, you know, pipeline metrics and things like that, there are a bunch of other people that have to do that same thing. Whereas in the, in the early years of arriving at, at a tech company and you know, my background has been in media sales. Um, it was, it was good to re find more people to reach out that were experiencing the same thing so that we could share and collaborate. So I, you know, I, I'm thankful for that. We, we have, um, you know, a really good chunk of listeners all over the world. We're in 50 different countries. You are starting up versions of the collective in other countries as well. That's right. So we are in, uh, right now, Toronto, Boston, New York, uh, Amsterdam now is on board London, England. Um, and there, I mean, you can actually join if you are outside as you are, George, you're not in Toronto, though. We're going to broaden out our collective right out through Canada now, just because we're getting, uh, you know, a ton of people joining, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, so the requirements are that you're at a senior level. So C level, CRO, CMO, VP of sales. And that's, we're, we're actually going to have associate programs for directors who, you know, can start developing and, and get it into the collective. But it, it's just like sort of a hard line that's actually, you know, being set uh, whilst we grow. Um, but definitely, uh, you know, there's a ton of value. I have remote members in our in our Toronto group who are participating a lot. So there are events. So we have happy hours and dinners. But really, the action, as you know, is in the in the Slack groups and, and Google groups where, you know, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm fascinated, even though I'm not as close to my sales team here, you know, there's just been a ton of activity around SDR um, uh, proposed uh, plans, you know, comp plans, how they're handling, you know, first touches. Um, and it, it's pretty amazing to just see how people are, you know, using a pod structure versus, you know, verticalization through others and, um, you know, when people are sharing like that, you really get a sense of what's working in market and what actually might be more appropriate for your company uh, based on what companies are similarly doing in other markets. The other thing that's really cool is like my major competitor now is a member of the Toronto Revenue Collective. So someone who was in our group, George, just left uh, League and joined Shop. So he's like a major competitor. I'm really looking forward to seeing him tonight. So like we're competitors, but at the end of the day, it's really about, 
you know, developing your career and, uh, and, uh, making sure, you know, like your, your, your career is long. You want to be making good choices moving forward. So there's a camaraderie there, um, and a sharing that is really, really unique. So, you know, you have the, uh, inside sales organization for Vend. I just want to shift gears and go back into the, the Vend piece. Your salespeople are spread out, uh, quite a bit, aren't they? So, um, yeah, the, so we have uh, reps now in, uh, Denver, in San Francisco and Toronto, but the important thing was, um, we actually didn't do that until we had all of the methodology scripting metrics, uh, all in place. So, I mean, one of those things is that when you start going remote, it's how do you, how do you manage those folks? Right. When, especially when you're not, you know, we don't have a manager in every office, necessarily so it's it really then it becomes to having you know first the the actual you know methodologies of what you're trying to accomplish and then it's then having the you know the call recording the call tracking the uh you know uh, sales force all the things that are required so that um you can really understand you know the volume of activity that's going on right across all the offices well, I, I appreciate that color because that's exactly where I was going with this is, you know, if you are going to have salespeople spread all over Hell's Half Acre, you really have to have the right structure in place first. So how, how long did it take you to get that structure built up before you were able then to start to pour gas on the, on adding people and, and building out that team? Yeah. So, you know, when, when we came in here and, and Vend was interesting that, uh, it was early in the in the cloud point of sale space. So for the first three or four years, they were just answering the phone. They were order takers. So we really had a, a couple of challenges. One was uh, changing the culture from um, you know answering the phone because suddenly things became very competitive to actually you know being able to you know sell in a in a very value add uh, sort of way. So that took it took us about. 60 days to really do a, a clear understanding of the, you know, our, of our competitors and come up with what our value prop was. Um, after that, then we trialed that and we had our teams in Toronto here for about three months. Um, and then, you know, we were quite, then we actually pushed the, uh, you know, pushed the, the pedal down. We were hiring now uh, you know, five to six people every month that were rolling in either to outbound, calling sales roles or inbound. You um, like to hire them in groups? Is that There's a lot yeah. more efficiency in doing that, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, one of the things we did at, at Rogers and one of the things I really believe in is, number one, when you bring in a group, it uh, allows you to, number one, um, keep them, if you, if you have one person, they seem to get embedded into a team and they're distracting. So by hiring in groups, you can have them training. We actually have a group come in and they spend that entire month working with an enablement manager who brings them up to speed, gets them through a whole program so that they basically then embed into the team at a certain ramp. Because one of the things we discovered pretty early is Every, you know, when you're hiring onesies and twosies, you tend to stick them in the team. They're always asking questions. It's not a bad thing. It's just distracting. People want to help them. Um, so, it, you know, when you're hiring in a bigger group, it, it allows you to uh, isolate them a little bit more, get them up to speed. And then it also, you know, uh, adjusts for the fact that, you know, you, you typically are going to lose 
you know, one or the other um, over that time um, and gives you a little more buffer when you're doing that. Is there, is there a number that we should be looking at um, when, when it comes to the churn of those reps? Like you almost want to have a few of them not make it through because holding them to a higher standard, am I, am I off base there? Nope, you're you're exactly correct. So number one, we also the 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 other thing which may be a little different from if we're talking about enterprise sales or other things is we typically once you have a methodology together, you really aren't trying to necessarily hire the you know the the person who's been doing sales for ten years because they come with a ton of baggage might be not not the greatest baggage. So we typically are hiring people who are pretty raw. Um, that come in, you know, with the right attitude. We actually start all our reps in an outbound role because it's the hardest role and it really creates the tenacity that's required to be successful. And then they move up. They go from an outbound SDR to an inbound SDR to an AE role. And if they make it through that transition, by the time they get to be an AE when, you know, they're getting sweet leads, um, the work ethic is there. So what we find in that first month is it's super challenging to do something in outbound. So uh, you, you're typically going to have a few people check out. We've been actually pretty successful here. We haven't had a ton, um, but um, you're going to. You're, you just can't. Your hiring's not going to be 100%. And, you know, so that's the, uh, that's the build over the, over the buy model where you're building a team and you're finding people with, you know, good attitudes and then you teach them everything else. Correct. Yeah, this was another thing I learned. So Stephen Defina, who I, who I recruited, um, when I, I was building Outrank, he came from New York, as I mentioned, I, I had a, another rep who was amazing in one of my other companies that I had built at Rogers. And I said, Hey, Steven, you know, I want Outrank to be successful. I'm going to give you this person to start your team. You know, I really want to, and he goes, Oh yeah, fantastic. I'll interview him. And so he went over, he interviewed him and he came back and he goes, I said, how'd it go? He goes, yeah, no, he's a cowboy. I can't, I can't coach him. <laughs> and so, so, and that, you know, I'm, I don't want to categorize everyone, but what we found is, when you have a really good methodology and, 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 you know, structured to things, um, you can bring almost anyone in. It just really comes down to, you know, them doing the work, wanting to be successful and the, the less baggage they have, the better. Do you find that really good, uh, the, the best that you're running into inside the collective usually are like, okay, I did this a couple of times. I'm on to my third or my fourth time. Like the, it seems to be a, a number of the top performers seem to be repeat offenders. Correct. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's where a, lo a lot of the, um, you know, when you've delivered a ton of value and, and, and you, you, you're not rewarded. Um, I think the, the, you know, the sort of foundation of what the collective is about really resonates with people. It's like, you know, when, and George, I know from, you know, knowing your experience of what you've done at Vendasta, it's like you could go to a company and say, Hey, I can, I can deliver this. And in a lot of cases, um, you know, especially in early startups, some of the founders are very young, very immature. Um, they don't know the right things to do. And, and I, I can tell you, I, uh, another thing, uh, you know, when I was running my, uh, 
I did three startups in the 2000s, you know, and I had a board and VCs who said, hey, I just don't like that person. So you're under a ton of pressure to, uh, you know, to move people out at times. And so it's really, really important that you realize what your value is um, and uh, leverage that at two times in your career. Number one is when you're negotiating your deal with someone, because that's when you're more beautiful than you've ever been. Right? So <laughs> <laughs> you really need to leverage that. That's You're never going to be time. better looking than you are on your first you day. Are. And then the other time is when you're killing it, when you're right. really doing well is when you, you don't want to be, you, you don't want to be afraid because what it tells you, and I, I've gone through this and I probably should have been much more aggressive at it earlier in my career where I, I you know, I've gone and said, look, this is what I'm doing. I know I can go somewhere else. I'm not saying I'm going to leave, but you know, the market is what the market is. I really want to stay here. But I need to I need to be treated fairly. I need to be you know I'm I'm killing it here, and if they if they don't want to if they don't want to address that with you or discuss it, it tells you what they you know the 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 sense of what they think of you. Right. You're not that important. You're and it's better to find that out early than later, after you've put a ton of sweat and blood into something and you're not getting rewarded. Well, and I think that that's a great lesson for everyone that's listening to the podcast today, because I, I know that as a rep, you have a hell of a month or you have a hell of a quarter and you're, you're kick, you know, you're kicking it out of the park on a regular basis. Um, be, you know, own that and, yep. and talk to your leadership and remind them of how you've performed. You know, I, I used to work for a guy and he, you know, this is back in the days when we kept paper. Um, he had all of the memos and all of the notes that he'd received from his boss. And, and he called it, you know, my get out of jail free folder. Like if he made a mistake, he could go to that folder and say, yeah, I screwed up, but here's all the great stuff that I've done for you. But then in addition to that, when we're negotiating, um, because we've had a great quarter, some of those, those pieces. So now you probably just keep it in a folder or something like that. But I think it's important to, to, uh, take heed to what Butch is saying when you're, you're at the top of your game and you're, and you're over achieving the budget is the time to go in and, and look at maybe a, a, you know, renegotiation of the way that the comp model works. What, what do you think right now, if you were to give any advice, Butch, to a young salesperson, what do you think they should focus on in the first six months when they come into a new organization? Yeah. So first of all, you got to learn the product and then you just got to, uh, you know, you just got to put your head down, you know, stop with the, the best salespeople that have worked for me. They're, you know, they, they come in and they do the work, you know, less ping pong <laughs> when you start delivering the big numbers, like there, there are people in my office and they, yes, they do play ping pong, but they're also working here till, you know, they're staying later to, you know, to, to make sure they're delivering their numbers and they, and they deliver all the time. Sometimes you can really get caught up in the culture of a company mm -hmm. um, and it can take you in a bad way. You, when you're there, you know, you have a, you have a few months to make a really good impression. And typically that's just from being immersed in what the product is doing and then just put your head down and deliver and the rest will come. Right. And you'll be playing ping pong not long after that. But, you know, for the first, you don't want to get taken. I, I often say, you know, one of the biggest challenges in hiring is that, you know, when I bring in those five people, George, one of them may be there. And that one person, if they're the wrong person, can influence that entire group. Right. They can be poisonous. Absolutely. So you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be perceived as that person. You just want to 
put your head down and and focus on the on the task at hand and you know and start delivering well butch really appreciate you taking some time out today to join us on the podcast i've wanted to have you on the show for um some time and there definitely are some great learnings and the things that you were speaking about have a great afternoon in the center of the universe in toronto (laughs) thanks george Well, as you can tell, Butch and I uh, have worked together over the last few years and and some great learnings in there. You know, when he built out that sales organization inside uh, the Rogers company, that's a big organization. And, you know, they, they went through a lot of learnings there and I'm definitely fortunate to have had Butch uh, mentor and help me on, uh, as we continue to build out our sales organization, this revenue collective thing, it's pretty cool to be able to collaborate with people that are doing the exact same thing that you're doing on a daily basis, um, you know, and being able to ask questions of those folks and getting that right from the front lines of chief revenue officers and VPs of sales that are dealing with the exact same issues that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. So uh, we thank Butch for coming in today and sharing with us his experience with the Vend organization is, you know, they're competing against a couple of the big players in the world when it comes to that e-commerce play, but also his work with other sales leaders in making sure that you are building a business plan that is going to suit you for your career today and your career in the years to come. The Conquer Local community is alive and well on Slack. And we're actually quite impressed with how it's been growing. You can go to conquerlocal.slack.com to join today. And we look forward to your questions. Go to the podcast channel and leave suggestions for upcoming episodes. Maybe you know somebody that we should be interviewing, or maybe we should be interviewing you. Leave all that information inside the Conquer Local community on Slack and make sure to check us out on LinkedIn. We'd love to have you follow us, George Leith on LinkedIn, and you can just private message us with any suggestions that you may have for upcoming episodes of the podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Danny Mario. Audio engineering, sound lounge by T-Bone. Marketing by Rory Lawford. Produced by Colleen McGrath.